It's good to be with you this morning. I'm so excited to be able to worship with you this morning. I am Pastor Luke, the student pastor here. Typically, I'm talking about Jesus at the student center at this time with our middle school students. Uh, pastor Jim is actually at the Mount Olive location helping out with an ordination service. So that's so exciting, um, and it's exciting for me because I get the opportunity to see you all, and I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We are uh, really getting into this series called Breaking Free. And I don't know about you, but it has been so good. It's been so good to hear about all the stories of people who have been breaking free from the different things that we've been talking about. Really, if you're just joining us for uh, today, uh, we've been talking about what uh, Christian theologians have referred to as the seven deadly sins. And so not only are we kind of diving into them, to, to looking at the, the root issue of these seven deadly sins, but really we're looking at the way that God provides to escape them. And that's what we've been doing over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first week, Pastor Jim uh, talked about pride, and I would encourage you to go check that message out. It was really good. Uh, the second week, we were looking at gluttony the sin of gluttony. And one of the things that we've said during this series is, is we're not just looking at this and pointing fingers and saying, you know what, hellfire and brimstone, you better get right, right now. No, what we're doing is we're recognizing the grace that we have in Jesus Christ. We're recognizing the fact that because he died and rose again, we can have freedom from our sin. We can kill our, our sin in the name of Jesus Christ. And so that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at how to do just that. <clears throat> I'm sorry, man. Um, is, that a, is that a piece of gum you got right there? Can, would you mind if I just, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, guys. This is a little awkward, but uh, you mind if I grab a, a piece of that? Thank you so much. I mean, I, I've, I've got, I've got some, some gum in my pocket and stuff, but you know how it is. When you, when you pull out a pack of gum and a group of people this size, everybody wants it. So as a matter of fact, you mind if I just, just grab that from you right there? Thanks, man. I, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I, hold on. It, that wouldn't happen to be your water right there, would it? Um, you mind if I... When you talk and stuff, sometimes you get a little bit of cotton mouth and so on. Mm. Much better. Thanks, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so as I was saying, we've been talking. <clears throat> what, um, what, what size shoe do you wear? Just out of curiosity. Uh, you say 11? Okay, all right. Um, listen, um, do you mind if I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it, man. I, I mean, I clearly got a pair of shoes, but it's been raining a lot this weekend, you know, and I would hate between here and the car to step in some mud and get mine all messed It's always nice to have a backup pair, so I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. I'm just kidding. Okay, so we've been talking about, we've been talking about pride. We've been talking about gluttony, and today we are talking about, anybody want to guess? Greed. We're talking about greed. Not anything that I struggle with at all. Not one bit. Um, really, I, I'm here to talk about it because I just feel like maybe some of you in the room struggle with it, but, but not me. No, 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 no. Actually, what we've been finding out through this series is in 1 Corinthians 10, we read that, that Paul is telling the church in Corinth that any sin 
that you have experienced, that you've walked through, um, it's not uncommon to man. As a matter of fact, there's been people that have struggled with it before you have. But then he continues on and he says that God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted more than you can bear. As a matter of fact, God provides a way of escape out of that sin. And so that's what we're wanting to look at this morning. And before we jump into the text, maybe you have an idea of what greed means, but let's look at the definition of it. Greed is an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. And so I want us to look at 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 10 this morning. All right, let's look there. Paul is talking to Timothy. Paul is talking to Timothy. Paul was kind of like a spiritual father for Timothy. He's like a mentor. And so you'll see throughout his letter, he is, he's training Timothy up to be a leader in the church, but he's just sharing everyday life things with Timothy. And he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, he says, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then he says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many, many griefs. As we kind of look at this text and see what God has for us this morning, would you pray with me? And would you just pray this simple prayer with me, Lord? Come on now, come on. Just repeat after me. I heard two people. Come on. Lord, open up the eyes of my heart that I might see wonderful things in your law. God, that's what we pray this morning. We are praying for that. As we look into your word, God, would you just examine our hearts as David said in the Psalms, Lord, look at our hearts and see if there be any grievous way in us, God, and just take it out, Lord. Our goal today is to become more like you, God, to leave the past in the past and to go forward this morning. And so, Lord, would you just speak to us in a brand new, fresh way? God, would your Holy Spirit just guide us as we talk about your word? God, your word is refreshing and God, we are so thankful that you didn't just leave us on our own to figure this thing out, but you have actually gifted us your word and you have gifted us your spirit. So Lord, I pray that we take full advantage of it today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So my wife Leah and I, we just uh, bought our first house and uh, over the summer and that's been exciting because during our whole marriage, we've rented. Nothing wrong with renting. Um, but there's some pros and cons, obviously. One of the pros, if something breaks, you just call your landlord. They come and fix it. One of the cons, though, over the years that we've been married that we've kind of realized from place to place is that you can't fully make it your own. Uh, just because some landlords don't want you to paint the walls, they don't want you to hang pictures. And so one of the reasons we were excited about stepping into our new home is because we can make it ours. We could paint the walls if we wanted to. But I tell you what, when we walked into our house for the first time and we just kind of looked around, I mean, it was kind of overwhelming in the sense of Leah wanted to change this and this and I wanted to change that and that. And there were so many things that we were so eager to change because we've never been able to do that before. And it wasn't long that we determined, you know what, we maybe just need to take a step back. Let's make a list of the things 
that we want to update, that we want to do, and let's prioritize them. Because there's no way we can attack all of them at one time. You've heard that saying, like when people get a plate of food and they take it and sit down and they have a lot left over, what do they say? Man, their eyes are bigger than their stomach. I knew really quickly that our eyes were getting bigger than our wallets. And so it was time to just pump the brakes a little bit and say, okay, what can we handle? What can we manage? It's a slippery slope that a lot of us fall into. And we end up paying for things with future money right here and right now. And it can get us into a trap, just like what Paul is telling us in this scripture. If not controlled, you'll start experiencing what Paul was talking about in his letter to Timothy, believer or non-believer alike. Intense and selfish desire for possession will cause damage to your life. It'll cause damage to your relationships. It'll cause damage to your career, to your health, physically and mentally. It will come for your life. And if it couldn't get any worse, an intense and selfish desire for possessions will come for your eternal life. So I think it's time for us to just, you know, leave. We're going to go ahead and leave right now and go home and get all of our possessions and just bring them back here, our boats, our cars, get our houses if we can, couches, everything. And we're just gonna have a big bonfire because, because what's the truth here? The truth is that money is the root of all evil. Wait, mm, I don't think that's what it said. What did it say? What did it say? The love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. A lot of times we get that twisted. And so I want us to look at that this morning. It's the love of money, the love of money, the love of our possessions. Money and possessions are not bad, but it becomes dangerous when our relationship with our possessions shift and we start to love them more than our family. We start to spend more time with them than we do with God. And the question we gotta ask is, do we love our possessions? No, man, that's ridiculous. I mean, I enjoy my boat, or I enjoy my car, I enjoy my house. Man, I don't love it. Well, on the surface, it may sound ridiculous, but when you dive deep into what our items, our material possessions represent, you begin to understand just how much we depend on them. And there's really uh, three main ways that we depend on our possessions. One of them is security. Let's be real, maybe some of us in the room today, we grew up knowing what it was like to be without. Some of us, we grew up not knowing where our next meal was gonna come from. Some of us didn't know if the power was gonna be shut off that day. And maybe when you were young, you made the decision right then and there, I will never continue to live like this. I'll do everything I can so that my kids maybe don't have to experience this. And so, man, you go for it. You made the decision when you were young, I'm going to be rich one day. Because there's just something about having an abundance that just makes us feel more secure. Gives us a little bit of certainty. Gives us a little bit of control in our life. So we depend on our possessions for security. We also depend heavily on our possessions for identity. A lot of times our possessions can become who we are and who we see ourselves as. A lot of times our possessions can determine our values in our life because you know what? Money creates opportunities. 
Money can get you into rooms and into relationships that you couldn't get into otherwise. Money gives you a sense of power. And so the more that we have of it, the more important we feel. We get our identity from our possessions if we're not careful. And then finally, we get our happiness from it. I mean, you think about it. When you buy something, you go to the store, you purchase something, you're excited. You're excited to use it. You make that purchase, you put the deposit down for that vacation. Man, you are so excited. And the reason why is there is this chemical in your body that is released when that takes place. It's called dopamine. It's called the pleasure chemical. And pretty much what it says is if you do something in your life that brings you pleasure, that makes you happy, that makes you joy-filled, that it encourages you to do that again. So a lot of times we can depend on our possessions to not only bring us security and identity, but happiness. And boy, let me tell you what, when one of the three of those things are threatened, that's when greed starts to bear its ugly head. If you don't believe me, I wanna just give you a scenario for just a second. It's a winter day in Eastern North Carolina. The air is crisp, nice and cool. You just heard the little alarm on your phone that said uh, there's gonna be light snow flurries in Goldsboro. Your kid's school just called you. They're letting school out early today. You're riding down the roads and you see, man, salt trucks all over the roads. What is your gut instinct? What is your first reaction? Oh my goodness, I gotta prepare. I gotta go to Walmart and get what? Bread and milk. Why? What are we doing with bread and milk? What are you doing? You don't know because it's not even about bread and milk anymore. You know what it's about? You just wanna get your hands on some because you know it's gonna get gone and nine times out of 10, you can be one of the first people to hear about the snow flurry coming to Goldsboro and somebody heard about, heard about it before you did and you roll up to Walmart, half the bread aisle is already gone. And you just start getting jittery like, what am I gonna do? Oh my goodness, I guess, I guess I'll just get hot dog buns because you know, that's bread. Why do you need bread and milk? You don't, because it threatens your security. Man, bread and milk don't get no attention like it gets on a snow day. And we laugh, it's hilarious. But what happened last year? Oh man, paper towels. Oh snap. You, hey, your, your aunt, she ain't called you in like three weeks, but she gives you a call and she says, hey, I was just gonna let you know, Walmart's about to run out of paper towels. I heard they ain't gonna make paper towels no more. You better get you some. And you're like, oh man, I, I just, I need to, uh, boss, I need to, I need to leave work early today, man. Oh man, family emergency? No, 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 no. Um, <clears throat> I need to get some, uh, some paper towels because there's apparently gonna be a shortage. How about this year? Gas. Oh my goodness, that one, that one was terrible. Leah and I were, uh, we were meeting some friends in Raleigh that day when, when we got news that there was a gas shortage. And honestly, we, like, we were rolling on E, like we really legitimately needed some gas. And so when we pull up to the gas pump, there is this humongous line and we wait in that line for like 45 minutes and we finally get to see the pump. We are next in line. The lady's putting the nozzle in her car and the gas attendant comes out 
And he's just shaking his head, and I'm just like, no. No, he's telling her, we're out. We don't have any. And so we're just sitting there waiting for the line to move, and all of a sudden we look at the folks beside of us at the next pump. This guy's getting the news, and he goes ballistic. I mean, he is angry. Then the guy behind him is yelling at him to move. All of a sudden they're yelling back and forth, and I'm just like, get the popcorn, Leah. Man, this is crazy. Then it gets real. He said, well, man, why don't you come on over to my truck? I got a gun. And I'm like, okay, it's time to pull on out, man. There was some squeal marks at that gas station. I'm like, it is time to go. But please, let something run low. And my goodness, how quick we feel like insecure and like we just need to go out and grab it. Let any one of those things be threatened and you start to see greed rise up in people. Our possessions begin to possess us. The Israelites were in slavery to the Egyptians for many years. But God sent this man named Moses to free him. And he's instructing Moses and he's telling them, he's telling Moses, okay, I'm going to let them go. I need you to go to Pharaoh. And you know that whole story probably. But one of the things that God tells Moses is pretty interesting. He says, I'm going to give you guys favor in the sight of the Egyptians. He says, tell your women to go to their neighbors and collect gold and silver. And the text says that the Egyptians gave them all that they wanted. They just wanted them to leave. And so God tells them, I'm not going to leave you empty-handed. And they leave. They escape. And somewhere along the journey, things kind of go awry. Moses goes up onto the mountaintop and apparently, I guess he's just gone for a while because the Israelites, they start getting antsy. And they go up to Aaron, Moses' assistant, and they say, hey, listen, we don't know what's become of Moses, but we're going to need you to go and make us a God. And Aaron's like, okay, all right. And so he instructs them, get this. He says, bring me all your gold. Tell everybody to bring all of their gold to me. And they do. And Aaron makes a golden calf. The very thing that God had blessed them with, they turn around and use to replace him with. Now, when the Israelites said, we don't know what's become of Moses, you know what they were really saying? We don't know what's become of God. So now, we don't feel like we have our protection. We feel like we don't have any direction. We don't feel like we have any food. We don't feel like we have any stability. What the Israelites thought was a food shortage, a leadership shortage, a security shortage, was really a faith shortage on their part. They didn't believe that God could bring them the contentment that they so craved. And so what did they do? They turned to things that they believed could. And today we might not worship our golden calf, but we worship some green paper sometimes. We might not worship a golden calf, but sometimes we worship our bank accounts. 
we might not worship and sacrifice to a golden calf, but we worship and, and sacrifice for our jobs. We might not worship a golden calf, but a lot of times, man, we'll worship our possessions. And like the Israelites, guess what? We will find contentment in those things for a little while. Moses comes down from the mountain. What are the Israelites doing? They have their golden calf. They are singing. They are feasting. They are dancing. They have let their guard down. They feel secure. They have a sense of identity. Oh, man, they're feeling really good. This is what I believe Timothy was talking about. See, the Israelites actually believed that they could move on from God. And that's what Timothy tells, that's what Paul tells Timothy in his letter. He says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Some of us in the room today are blinded by the ways that God has blessed us because we're so focused on what we don't have. And then for others of us in the room, our knuckles are white from holding on so tightly to the things that we've acquired that if there was a day that came that we lost it all, we wouldn't even know who we were anymore because our identity is so wrapped up in our things. But can I tell you something? Only Christ can bring the security, the identity, the happiness that your heart desires. Only Christ can do that. Not your riches, not your possessions, not your houses. Christ and Christ alone. I think it's interesting, this question that Jesus asked the disciples in Matthew 6. He says, guys, you've been walking with me for a while now. Why are you so anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear? Don't you know who your daddy is? Don't you know who your father is? Don't you understand that your father, everything you set your eyes on, he owns? Don't you understand that your God is, is unlimited when it comes to resources? So why in the world are you so anxious about what you're going to wear, eat, and drink? Look at the fields. Aren't they beautiful? Guess who clothed them? God. Look at the birds. Don't they look like they've not missed a meal? Yeah, that's because of God. So I'm telling you, if he cares about those things, rest assured that he cares about you. As a matter of fact, instead of trying to seek after riches and material possessions, he says, why don't you do this? Seek first before any of that stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you. So that's my prayer today. My prayer is that as a church, we commit to seeking nothing other than God and his kingdom and his righteousness. And so really quick this morning, I just wanna share three steps to help break free from greed. The very first one is admit that everything you have is borrowed. You can't take none of it with you. You can work your fingers to the bones to collect and gather, but you can't take not one bit of it. I mean, maybe you can pass it on, but you don't own it no more. 
It's kind of like the son that looked at his father as he was walking out the door. And he says, hey, son, where are you going? He says, I'm running away. I'm tired of having to follow your rules. He said, okay, son. And the, and the son's kind of like shocked. Like, you're just going to let me do this? The dad looks at him and he says, um, son, before you go, if you don't mind putting my shirt back in the dresser and my pants back in the dresser, before you leave, if you don't mind taking my shoes and putting them back in the house, and then you can be on your way. And obviously the son is, is like, you know, um, <clears throat> it's one thing to run away. It's a totally different thing to run away naked. So I think I'm going to stay right here. But that's the truth. It's all his. What do we read in 1 Timothy 6, 7, and 8? For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. That's what it says. Can I tell you I'm preaching to myself this morning? Like I feel it. I feel the cravings and the desires for things, but can I tell you they're a dead end. We gotta admit, we gotta recognize and realize that everything we have is borrowed. The second step, don't depend on possessions to provide for you what only God can provide for you. 1 Timothy 6, 17 he says, instruct those who are rich, Timothy. Let me stop right there. Did he say condemn those who are rich? No. Because the truth of the matter is, there are people who are rich in this world. I'm looking at them. If we're being honest, all of us in this room are rich compared to the rest of the world. And so I want you to hear me when I say this. He's not condemning them. He's instructing them, though. He says, instruct them, those who are rich in this present age, not to be arrogant or, this is important, to set their hope on the what? Uncertainty of wealth. It's uncertain. You can put your hope there, but just like that, it can be gone tomorrow. He says, instruct them not to put their hope on wealth, which is uncertain, but on God who richly provides, hear this church, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Who knows better what you enjoy than the one who created you? So why in the world are we trying to find it on our own? He doesn't wanna just give you food and take care of you, but I believe God actually enjoys being a father to you and giving you things that you enjoy. Now, I also think that God is wise. And just like he won't give you more temptation than you can bear, uh, he probably won't give you more money than you can bear. Because for some of us, man, we wish we could hit the lottery. We wish we could just fall into a million dollars. But man, who knows what would happen if we did. But my point is that God is trying to tell you this morning, I can provide for you if you would just seek after me. So don't depend on possessions to provide for you what only God can provide for you. And that is contentment. Can I tell you something? True and lasting contentment comes through Christ, not currency. And then step three, be prepared to share. First Timothy 6, 18 and 19. Continuing this conversation about the rich, 
He says, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works. You want to be rich? Be rich in good works. To be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may be able to take hold of what is truly life. You can run after possessions all day long, but you're going to be running after something false. You're going to be running after false security, false identity, false happiness. God is saying right, right here, right now, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and you will begin to understand what true life is really all about. Be prepared to share. Pastor Andy Stanley, I love this quote. He says, funerals teach us a lot. The value of a life is always measured by how much of it was given away. When we go to a funeral, we don't celebrate accumulation at funerals. Nope. We celebrate generosity and selflessness. And man, I hate going to funerals because means you've lost somebody. But can I tell you what? When you go to the funeral of somebody who really, truly loved Jesus and was a follower of Jesus Christ and spent their life living like Jesus, giving, loving, that is one of the most impactful things you can be a part of. I leave sometimes just ready to change the world because of the life that somebody lived. Be prepared to share. Youth ministry continues to surprise me. Just last Sunday, in my middle school boys' bridge group, we got finished up with group, and I had a student, seventh grade, y'all. He had some money in his hand. He said, hey, Pastor Luke, can I give you this? And I was like, uh, why, buddy? He said, it's money for the church. And in my mind, I'm processing, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's like paying for an event or something like that. I said, okay, buddy, well, what's it for? He said, it's for the church. I said, you mean like a tithe? He said, well, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, I've been cutting some yards this summer. And he said, um, well, what I do is, is I, I give 10, and then I save 10, and then I, I live on the rest of it. And I'm like, What? Seventh grade? That's crazy. And in my heart, my heart's just swelling up because I'm like, if you can get it right now, brother, it'll be so easy for you in the long run. And so I said, no, I don't want to take it. Actually, I want to show you where you can take that. I said, come with me. So we left the student center. We walked over here. We went to the offering uh, box right outside there. And this powerful moment happens where I'm standing there beside him. He said, what do I do now? I said, man, you just grab one of those envelopes. You put your money inside, write your name, write the date, write that it's a tithe, and um, put the amount, lick that thing, seal it up, put it in the box. Okay. We walked away, and I'm just amazed at the faithfulness of this student because he realizes it's better to give than receive in seventh grade. Can I tell you something? As we've been going through this series, this quote has just stood out to me by this writer named Marshall Siegel. He says, Jesus' victory on the cross 
Was it meant to make us relax and put down our weapons? No, he died and rose to arm us with the invincible hope and power of his spirit and promises. He went to Calvary so that we could kill our sin. And that's my prayer this morning, that we would start to really look at our lives and we would really truly examine our hearts. We would pray and ask God to examine our hearts. We would see the sin inside of us and we would start to crush it. And can I tell you something? The steps that we just talked about to break free, you can't do them on your own. I can't do them on my own. No, we need supernatural strength. Just like Paul, when he was writing in Philippians, he says, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to have a little, but I've learned how to be content no matter what situations. Philippians 4, 13, you know it. He said that through Christ, I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul recognizes that the, the, the solution to be able to live that sort of life, that sort of contentment comes through realizing who true contentment comes from. So as you walk past the window, as you contemplate getting that new tech, maybe getting that new car, can I tell you something, the deep solution of our insatiable desire for more and more and more is not to have nothing, it's to have Christ. That's the solution. Because when you realize who Christ is and what he's done for you, can I tell you everything else pales in comparison? You were never made to live with closed hands. You were created to live with open hands. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Let me start over. You were never made to live with closed hands. You were made to live with open hands. And if you ever, if you ever wanna see sin killed in your life, well, it starts right here giving worship to the one who deserves it, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me this morning? Matter of fact, would you stand together with me as we get ready to pray? I'm gonna ask you to do something a little different. Would you just put your hands up in the air just like this? Let's let our worship be towards where it's supposed to be. Our Savior, our Creator, God Almighty, God, we love you and we praise you. We stand here with arms and hands open, declaring, Lord, that anything we have comes from you. God, we give you the recognition. We give you the credit. God, I pray that you would just work through us. God, how can we bless the people around us? God, how can we give like you've given? God, you gave it all when you gave your son, Jesus Christ. But God, how can we live a life free, chains broken, roots cut from sin? I pray that you would show us, God. We worship you, we praise you. And Lord, we declare right now, God, that you are our number one desire and we need you. We depend on you, God. We can do nothing apart from you. God, we love you, it's in your name that we pray. Amen, amen. You can put your hands down. 
um, I feel like that maybe there's somebody in the room who has maybe never made that commitment before to follow Jesus Christ. I wanna give you that opportunity right now. So can we all pray this prayer together? God Almighty, I've sinned. I've fallen short of your glory. I accept your forgiveness. I pray that you would come into my heart. I pray that you would come into my life. I pray that you would be my Lord, my Savior. Amen, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, yeah, let's give God some praise. Let's give God some praise, yep. He's still doing miracles. He's still raising folks from the dead, if you know what I mean. Maybe you're one of those folks who said yes for the very first time today. We wanna know about it. We wanna know about it. So you can let us know by your Connect card or you can uh, text us with the, the screen up here. Text that number, let us know that you made a decision for new life in Jesus Christ today. Guys, can I tell you, I have enjoyed this morning. I love you all. And uh, I'm excited to see what God is going to do in and through your life as we continue to break chains. I know we've done a lot of praying this morning, but I love prayer. Can we just pray for our week right quick and then we can be dismissed? All right, God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this time together. And we pray for our week, God. Give us a new mindset, Lord, as we go out into the city of Goldsboro and Princeton, Johnson County, Wayne County. Lord, would, would you open up our eyes for maybe ways that we can bless those around us and share about what you've done in our lives? God, we love you and we thank you for this time together. It's in your name we pray.